Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Didn't learn Sean just had to be tall and cute. Come on, people's choice. You know, we remember we had that. Israel's 60th man. Okay. Yeah, man of the year. Even now, everything is about, like, celebrities. How is a celebrity going to tell me about diplomacy? My. Huh? You can tell me about your scripts that you've had, the songs you've written, the lyrics you've had. Right. But you can't tell me the life of trying to save my nation. Right. You can't talk to me about that. And I love your stuff. I'm going to buy another ticket, watch your next movie because it's nice. You do a good job. Yes, I am. But I'm not going to hear what you say as if you know what you're talking about. And you might, but I don't know that because all I know is that everything I, I heard you talk about my subject is on the film. Somebody wrote it, and you're acting it out. So let's talk about moving on. Here, where are we now? Daniel was young. Now, what they call young and we, we call young is different. Y'all do understand that. What they call young is anybody that's not of senior gray hair. That's Bible. What we call young as teenagers. Okay, children. <laughs> okay, but Daniel came. He was. He made it. And and Rob really doesn't give us years. Time passage. You don't get like three years later often, and and especially in Daniel's story. So we don't know how long it was for, between Daniel finishing at the top of his class and being able to get give Nebuchadnezzar the interpretation of his dream. That could have been a decade. We conclude that it was day by day. But that's an assumption. But that could have been a decade. So Daniel goes and he he does, we know the story, he gives Nebuchadnezzar the interpretation of the dream. It works out. The uh, the three boys at um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they go and they, you know, beat the fire. And so we know that. But we get down, and again, there's no timeline. But we get down, and actually, it, it says um, Nebuchadnezzar's son, but it's actually, I think, uh, my, some of my writings say it was grandson. So that's a lot of years. That is a lot of years. We make it sound like it wasn't. So the grandson takes over, and the grandson is young, and I'm going to show everybody I'm it. And the one thing I'm going to do is I'm going to push back on the God of Israel. We're going to go. My father made their their um, their. Uh, utensils and their articles and their worship implements. He made them special. He made them reverential, but not me. So he's having a party, and he sends his people. He said, go get that, those Jewish things. Go. I want to crush this Jewish religion. I want to humiliate it. That's what I want to do right now. Go get it. So they go and they get the, the artifacts from the house of the Lord, Israel's God. They start drinking in it, putting it in it, offering it up to their deities and carrying on. Like they were really sacrilegious, defacing it and all of that. And, you know, God 
decided that he wanted to send him a memo. We didn't have email. He probably would have texted. <laughs> See, back today God would text it. You'd get this text from nobody saying something that nobody lays credit for, and you can't track it no, anywhere. So he, he, he writes, God sends his hand, and he writes it on the wall. Mm-hmm. Many, many, Tico Yufasa. Mm-hmm. Okay, you've been weighed in the balance and found want. And said your kingdom is getting ready to be taken from you this here night. Mm-hmm. Now, what we don't, well, he couldn't read it. He did not know what it said. So he, he had a smart queen. Sometimes you need a smart spouse. I won't say male or female because either one would... We don't do well with either one being dumb. Okay? So we need a smart. Amen. I'm just saying. And then when you, you, you know how, how men like to marry these young girls? That's because they don't want wisdom in their marriage. I was going to. So. She said, there's a man in your kingdom. He's no longer prophet. He's a man in your kingdom who your father used, and he used to do this, and he used to do that, and on and on and on. What you don't read outright, but you can pretty much surmise, is that when the kids took over, they put wisdom out. So now you've got to go find Daniel because he hasn't been in service to the throne for a long time. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not. So they got to go find him. And Daniel's like, I don't care. He's probably old. I'm tired anyway, you know. Yeah, and, and, and I'm sure that the kids made his life miserable because children always will, will always kick off their adulthood with what they hated about their parents or what they adored about their parents. But either way, it's emulation. Are you all right? Did no. you want to hit another bell? No. I need to give you something. Would you give you something? Have a little slap clock in here. Yeah, you can a little slap. Just have to slap myself. Wow. Wow. That's, that's, a that's why you have so many ministries where the children are gone as soon as they're able. And what do the parents do? The parents literally reward their runaway with succession. Kid doesn't know the work, doesn't know the people, and again, just like this guy did, I'm going to put something young over it, even if young is ill-equipped. Now, that doesn't fit everyone. There are some kids that have stayed there, labored with them, all of that, blah, 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 but it is amazing how many times we see a runaway child now at the head of the ministry. That's true. Almost like you got to bribe them to take your work on. Do we love Jesus still? So they go and they have to find Daniel because he's not on staff. Because if he was on staff, he'd have been in the palace. He'd have been right there. He'd have known about the name and know about the writing. He didn't know any of that. So he comes in and he reads it and he's scared. Because see, Daniel might say, I might be old, but I know God changes not. Mm-hmm. And if God broke his silence with your organization, with your country, with your leadership, with your royalty, if he broke silence, and this is what he breaks silence on, you need to be scared. He said, oh, king, let this happen to your enemy. Because this is how bad it is. And he began to tell him, see, God left him alone until he started messing with God's vessels. 
God is like, y'all can ride this out. Go ahead and act like you're the big bad. So you started messing with his vessels and perverting his own worship. Because God drove Nebuchadnezzar into the wilderness for seven years, drove him crazy for him to realize, I know you think you're God, but I'm godder than you. Godder than you. I am godder than you. There you go. So he says, he said to him, he said, your father honored this. He said, and you knew the story of him and the dream and the and You knew this, and you knowing all of this as the seed, you decide that it's all story and legendary and all of that. It's not real. Wow. And he let him know, you're going to die tonight. Because God said, if you wanted to live, you should have left my stuff alone. I'm, I'm telling you. And that's where we are today. Satan has been working hard to take down the church. Now, Satanists think he has the power to do this. They don't know he's on work release from hell. Well, And so he has to do his job well because his job is not just to deceive or get people free from religion or free from the Most High God. His job is to see to it that what bred in him to, to literally assault his realm never gets back in God's world again. Satan is the tester. He's the better. He's the modified, moderator of all of this. He is not. So, you know, when you hear saying someone, yeah, but he's just, no, 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 no. He's not that. I know we like to think that, and we got, he's got preachers who have, you know, went to his, his witch warlock wizardry classes and came out with clergy cloth on. They went to the University of Dark Powers and believed that dark precedes the light. You understand, you can't have dark unless light went first. Correct. They know that. I mean, even if he doesn't like it. So that's why when he wants to really get you, he tries to reinvent himself as an angel of light. So he says to this kid, uh, you're going to die because you should not have come against the most high God. So we're in that place now. The Daniels are coming out of the field. They're coming back online. As a, and we can call them senior or whatever, but if you look at the Bible, God always did his best work with the seniors. Come on. Moses, 80. 80 Moses. Amen. And Moses is 80, climbing a mountain twice. The second time, climbing it with some weighty plaques he had to carve because he messed up with God. So with, so now, why? Because the youth have made a fatal mistake and have triggered the lethal judgment of the Almighty. God's like, if you'd have left me alone, I would have left you alone. He did not care about how they partied. He did not care about how drunk they got. He did not care about what they did for their gods and their rituals. God was okay with that. But this here, you should have stayed in your lane. 
So we would sit, and so, you know, we're in the mirror where Satan has told you all religions are the same. We're not a religion, so aren't we glad we're not like them? We are the redeemed nation of Jesus Christ. All of them grew up from the earth. We came down from heaven. That's why we're exalted, because we came down. We didn't grow up. We came down. Pentecost brought us to the planet, for we were in Christ before the foundation of the world. I'm going to say that until I go home to be with the Lord, and when I'm gone, it would be real nice if my successors would be successful in saying it (laughs) and continuing to say it. But these young ones came up under good people, too. They went to the wrong party. Had dinner at the wrong place, sat at the feet of the wrong power, and they bought the lie because they bought the the external. You know, Satan can create, can can make himself, transform himself into an angel of life. He was never an angel. You all don't hear how deep that was. He was never an angel. God didn't send him for a message. His cherub. Now, those, you know, God gave him a whole lot of stuff, but we'll talk about that another time. So here we are today with the young ones that you're talking about. Here we are with today with them being rewarded for getting through puberty. Wow. They haven't had to be mentored by anybody. And if they were mentored by people, where are the people that mentored them? We don't even know. They just came out, gave a prophecy, and a beguiled population and viewership decided that single prophecy made them a power, a presence. Usually you put people in power who you, you, know, you have to reckon with. There's nothing reckoning with this. And they're made by deluded leaders and deluded powers. They weren't made by God because God takes his time to make Abraham 90 years. Abraham, what you going to do? You know what? You're going to have a son. Really? Yeah. After I prune you and try you and make sure that, what, that what's in you, your chemical, biological makeup can produce the, the fabric of the son I need. So 99, he gets a kid. I said, God? This is kind of interesting. He's old. Abraham has said, I'm so old, Sarah and I don't even know what each other look like anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah's so old, she said, it's not even pleasant any longer. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, oh, should I have pleasure for my Lord now? 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 She's like, I'm done with that. We don't realize the power of God. And what we're going to see, I prophesied that we're getting ready to see a literal, reminiscent, but greater dimension, greater intensified power from God. God is going to show off because when you come after his vessel, you engage him in battle. Now, Satan has sense enough to hide when the battle comes. He, he throws all the kids out there to get hit. 
just throw the kids out there, you know? But God is coming after that. But this is something powerful that will also happen. The Lord is also raising up his children. You know, the, the issue with God's family is this, if I can say this um, as succinctly as I, I can think of it, is that, you know, we, we, we are like, you know, the, we like the phrase the children of this world or this age are wiser than the children of light. And so we walk around feeling inferior to devils. I'm like, no, you're not wiser because we're dumber. You're wiser because you're older. You've been at it since Cain. We're building our experience. And when we did it and God gave us the world, we still weren't smart enough to know that he was on a comeback, take back campaign. We are wiser than him or either our daddy is dumber than him. And my, my passion, my, you know, objective, if you will, is that we begin to educate and empower the offspring of the Godhead. I don't say the body of Christ because everybody's sitting up in there probably not of his body. Because not everybody's born again. And the body of Christ is made of those born from his seed. So if his seed is not in you, you are none of his. But my job now is that it's time for us to grow up. We have come, it's time for us to come of age. And that's the era we're coming in. It's getting ready to be real cosmic on planet E. It's getting ready to be power to power and force to force. And it's not like what we did. We're not going to stand and say, I beg you, you devil. No, 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 no. No, no. First of all, you better have the frequency to have, that gives you power to buy. Right. Because if your voice doesn't have the frequency, all you're doing is mimicking a sermon. God's been talking to me about this 2.5, and I need you to recognize that this is the most important era in the history of the church. Yeah. Uh, devils have told you that we're going down. We can't go down because we didn't come up from them. All right. We can't go down because you all have to get have to prophesize. Jesus just needs to spit out more seeds in your followers. The move of God that's about to happen will be more potent than history has recorded of the offspring of the Godhead. Because, first of all, we're going to be moved with the right title. I keep saying, and I've said it before, God didn't make us Christians. He never called us Christians, ever. We are Christians by the world's standards and the world's nomenclature. We family. Christians are followers of Christ. We're the family. We're the fam. We're the genetics. We're the gene pool. We're the genealogy. We're the gene tree. Look it up. Mm. Now, I know some of y'all religious folks don't get all upset. You can't say that. I can say what I want to say. This is my show. And I am filled with the power of the Almighty God. And if you knew God the way you should know him, you'd be saying, thank you for the revelation. Thank you for the breakthrough. Thank you for shifting my paradigm. We're about, they've been prophesying a paradigm shift. And we have a, where do we shift from God to devil? I don't think that's what God had in mind. Not the paradigm, no. Okay. I don't think that's the paradigm that he wants. But the Christ shift is something else. We are the literal, literal spiritual or pneumatological composition of the Godhead. Exactly the gene that God used to beget Christ first, second, 
and third. Isn't that powerful? First born over all creation. First begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. First born from the dead. I'm good at this because he's my honey. This is the gospel of the honey man. The gospel of the honey man. He's a honey man. All right. That'll preach. He is. So three times God has begotten Jesus Christ for every issue that had to restore his realm. Colossians, firstborn from the dead, that he may be above all brethren. So before God made any other creature, he spit Jesus out of his being. Isn't that powerful? That old honey man, Jesus. And then he turns around and he says, oh, wow, i got to go and get Adam's seed. Okay, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Jesus, put yourself in a sperm and get into a virgin's body. Now, way back then when we were, you know, coming up, we didn't get that. But now we can. We can talk about artificial insemination. Absolutely. We can talk about sperm just going directly into the woman, we couldn't do that before. God did it first. If God had never done it, humans couldn't discover it. Huh? Because discovery means to break the cover on something that has always been. Okay. <laughs> yes. Where's that cowbell? Yeah. I don't have a cowbell? It's right there, Jay. No, that Liberty Bell. Where's that Liberty Bell? That's okay. We'll do liberty next week. But understand. <laughs> but I want you to hear me. So God told Jesus, the sovereign of creation who helped him create everything there was, he said, bring your, or take a portion of yourself, because he felt that he remained in the bosom of the Father. He said, take a portion of yourself and make it minuscule enough to be a sperm implanted in a virgin. Now, you have saints that say, I don't believe that, then you're not Christian. I don't know what to tell you. Because Christianity is about all about the faith of God being able to do anything he wants with that, what he brought into existence. And so he comes, and then he, he goes, and he does that, and he dies. And of course, he does the whole thing with Resurrection Sunday coming. It's, it's just this is a good time to mention it. And then he goes to hell. He leaves his body in a tomb. He sends his spirit back home, and his soul goes to hell. And thus he must be the firstborn of the dead. So my, you know, when people ask me how can I do this, what makes us great, we're great because of that. And then if, if he just got born again in hell and decided to come back and rejoin his body and just walk the planet, we wouldn't even be here today. We wouldn't have this conversation because the whole deal was not done until the Holy Ghost came. And the Holy Ghost just didn't, didn't just bring tongues. Right. I know that's what we like to see. The Holy Ghost brought us. He poured us out of Jesus' resurrected, redeemed being. The spirits that were in Jesus Christ when he went to hell also went through three days and three nights of hell. Like if you got a, a terminal illness, your sperm and eggs will go through that illness with you. Wouldn't it? And then if you got healed, it got healed. And if you didn't, it didn't. 
So we were just as dead as he was. Mm. Isn't that so wonderful? Mm -hmm. And then he goes and he rises from the dead. And he doesn't just rise and say, I beat death and I'm just going to be here and I'm going to take over the earth and and take over the... No, no. No, no. He rose from the dead and he had to take us all back home to get his life. We were the resurrection, but we had to go home to get the life. Because we were in Christ before the foundation of the world. Christians because we get saved on earth. We're Christians because God kept us from the fall. That's why he could say that Judas was the son of perdition. Because Judas was not in him like that. Judas was handed off to Satan's feet. Adam's seed. He was handed off. He said we got wheat and tares. We got the sons of the kingdom and the sons of the world, or the sons of the wicked one. Identity is the key to destiny. And let me tell you something. Without your identity, you destroy your destiny. Because you follow any sound that feels good, thinks thinks the way you do, even if your thoughts are wrong. We're in that era today. So they have set out the plan. We're going to get rid of Christianity. I prophesied to you by the Holy Ghost. They'll be gone before we do. We aren't going anywhere. And you know why? Because Christ in us is the hope of glory. Satan took down one Jesus, billions of Jesus, many of which are in their camp and don't even know it, waiting for the gospel to wake them up. We got our own wokeism. Waiting for the gospel to wake up the Christ seed in them that will pass them from death to life. Oh, yeah. See, if, if when you know the gospel, you can see where it fits in every element, every aspect of culture. You know the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is what I want you to hear today. Well, we have a couple of things coming. One of the things that I'm excited about is my beloved apostle and ambassador at large and son in the Lord and brother and, well, everything. We're just going to call him the everything. We can move this so that we can have, you know, I love having my apostles on, and I love it when they're here, you know. Oh, good, you're moving stuff? Good, she's moving things. I'm excited about that. But we have apostle, he, I figured if he came into Tulsa, we ought to do something with him. Don't, shouldn't we do something with you? Yes. Do you all remember? Now, see, he has a health drink. We can't advertise health stuff, so you have to get to advertise people stuff. That just can't work. Free advertising. We got to keep cups and stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah. doesn't look like we're playing favorites. <laughs> Absolutely. Love this man and his wife. When they come into Tulsa, I always say, wow, it's like family. You know, and, and it's really, it's like coming and having family come to visit. We've had a great time. Yeah. He's discovered some of Tulsa's golf places. Anybody in Tulsa that knows Lord. some wonderful golf stuff, please inbox us so we can tell him before Lord. he goes home. He's been trying to find some really upscale. He's from Portland, so do I need to say any more? <laughs> no. Okay, he's from Portland, and, you know, so he wants upscale golf something. So if you are... Dr. Price does not golf, but tell everybody I like miniature golf. I'm short. <laughs> if I'm short, I can fit the stick. I can do this. 
I'm short. He's tall. He needs poles. <laughs> and so, and so, if you all just if you live in Tulsa and you say, you know what, Apostle Holt, I know some. Let us know. Tell us, and do not make him have to golf with you to find out. <laughs> Because you know the saints are very shrewd. Now I'm getting ready to sh- shift into something that I would love for you to speak in, if it's all right. Um, but today, you know, the, the 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 screen is up there. We are to be wise as serpents and harmless as a dove. So I'm going to run through this one passage, but I'm going to give you all of the things that God means by wise. And since you're in civil service, you work with the community, you work with politics you can begin to think about how we got where we are and how we can get out of it. So I'm just going to run through a couple of these. If you look on the screen, it talks about rational mind, wise mind, and emotion mind, okay? That is the basic. When you talk about that, part of this is, for those of you who are researching, 86191 and strong is talking about cunning, be prudent, and subtle. Now, the serpent, can you all see that? Because I probably will never give you that color again, but anyhow, I'll read it for you. Now, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And so the word for that used there is, listen to this, is to make bear, which means make bear, not carry, B-E-A-R, but make bear, uncover, unmask, disclose. Cunning is talking about being aware and then taking crafty counsel, which is what she did, prudent and dealing subtly. Now, here's the passage that I would like us to get, and I'm going to share all of this with you. Um, to finish up, the Hebrew Aram, which is the um, BDB uh, Brown Drivers and, what is it, Briggs Drivers and Brown, um, to be subtle. I want you to hear this, to be subtle, be shrewd, be crafty. That's important. And I like the end, to be or become shrewd as well as uh, prudent. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents. And this one says pure as dove. I'm going to go through the rest of them for you. It also adds that we should be sent. Uh, did you ever think we needed to be sly? Mm-hmm. Like, we saying, should we be sly? Mm-hmm. Crap and, and sensible. Now, the next one. CEV says, be innocent. The next one, it says, I'm sending you, and you will be like sheep among wolves. So be smart, like snakes. I don't know. We probably need some snake training. What you think? My mind. Okay. And then this one says, be simple as does. That means uncomplicated, not stupid. Be sagacious. If you look at the sign up on the screen, sagacious and guileless. And here, next one, wise as serpents, simple as doves. And then we have, be cautious, crafty, and shrewd. Be cunning as serpents and innocent as doves. I'm sending you out to be surrounded by wolves. You must be sensible and guileless. So those are the ones that I wanted to discuss. When you think of this, Apostle Holt, when you think of this, what are your thoughts concerning this particular passage, the church as we've been nurtured and groomed, and the future that awaits us and our present readiness for that future? 
Well, there's so much. Uh, thank you, and I'm excited to be here. Hello, family. Uh, uh, it is good to be here and yes. good to be with you. It's been great to, to hang out for the little bit of time that we've had. Um, so much of what you've already articulated fits apropos mm-hmm. perfectly into, I think, what Jesus is instructing. And none of it is something that happens overnight. This isn't something that just gets deposited in us from mm-hmm. heaven. It isn't that we wake up and we get this divine impartation that God then gives to us. Mm-hmm. This is, uh, I love the sagacious, cunning, crafty. That's learned. Mm-hmm. That takes time to develop. As you articulated about David, I'd never thought about David as being in his collegiate experience <laughs> on the run. <laughs> that God was preparing him and teaching him diplomacy and teaching him kingdom and teaching him all the things that were necessary to develop him the reign. To deal with this pressure to be wise as a serpent. And, you, and, and part of the, the development uh, is the ability to be in close proximity with the enemy. We have to be in close proximity to mm-hmm. learn the functionality and the flow uh-huh. and the option and the movement mm-hmm. in order for us to understand how they move. There's, there's a consistency of spirit. The spirit never changes. The darkness is the darkness, and we can't expect light from the darkness. But we won't be able to cast darkness out if we can't have dominion over it. And you can't have dominion over something you don't understand. Which is why we are where we are. It's exactly why we, we did not we understand what the battle really was about, and who the real characters were. Right, right. And so, uh, well, I'll say two things briefly. One is the, the traditional teaching that we came up under, at least I came up under, was that the church, the believers, were to exit from the arenas, oh, yeah. exit from the realms, exit from, from the spheres of mm-hmm. government, entertainment, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so if the light leaves, then what could we leave it to? Darkness. Absolutely. So then how can we be uh, overwhelmed or shocked that we've got so much darkness Mm -hmm. when the light left? Uh, I think what what we are to glean from this is how to craftily, sagaciously, with wisdom, slyly get into the arena. But that's the part that Jesus is saying. Yeah. You know, that the son of this world, we are going to have to learn the world. And you're right. We have the... Let's get up out of here. Jesus says, do not put your light under a bush. That's what he said. Are you kidding? We went into a cave. Right. <laughs> we didn't, there you go, see? I knew somebody, I'm with you on that. We went underground. Yeah, I'm out. And I'm now out. we want to come from underground as Christians and pastors have helped us. You know, you don't need to be in government. You don't need to vote. You don't need to get up. That's the devil's world and whatnot. Yeah. I'm like, but aren't you in the devil's world too? Look, we, we will step away from the position to legislate, mm-hmm. to regulate, to uh, set systems and policies, and then spend our time praying about the policies and the systems that got set. Okay. But how about this one? How about this naive one? Because we are very naive and very gullible. That's what, and we said harmless as doves, and we thought that meant stupid. Well. The Holy Ghost was smart enough to bring tongues from heaven to earth yeah. in the form of a dove. Why did he do that? He could have picked anything, mm-hmm. but he chose a dove, not even a pigeon. Mm-hmm. I'm from the East Coast. I know pigeons. <laughs> <laughs> not even a pigeon. He chose a dove because it was a dove that went out and came back and said, the coast is clear. You can get out of the ark. 
All of the devils are gone. Yeah, There's yeah, nothing yeah. out there. Not only is the water gone, but all of that heinousness yeah. that happened, yeah. gone. Yeah. So it's cool. It's cool. Yeah. He brought back the, the leaf to let us know it was peace. Because the first time he sent out a razor. Yeah. Darkness uses razors. Yeah. Yeah. You can, you. <laughs> let me just give you another toy since you're having so much fun. Here's another toy. And there you go. Then you got another toy. Okay. Okay, now if you keep it up, you're going to get the cowbell. <laughs> so when you think about it, we, we consider dove, a dove to be stupid because we want to say it's just a, a, an all-white pigeon. There has to be something right. that differentiates them, right. and even in terms of intelligence right. and, and reliability to God. Of all the ways that God could send the Holy Ghost, why do you send them as a dove? Yeah. Yeah. But we have got to... Come away from the reality that if it's the world, we ought to take cover. You know, head for the hills, take cover. I can't even tell you how many people really believe that we should not have anything to do with government, despite, and I'd like you to speak to it, despite Isaiah 9, it says the government will be upon this. Well, amen. Uh, I do want to come to that. We just want to run you want to for a moment mm-hmm. on what you indicated and what you're talking about being wise as serpents, harmless as doves. Um, part of what our issue is, and even speaks to the question you just asked, part of our issue is we don't want to take time. Mm-hmm. We're a generation of hurry up. Yeah. We're a generation of um, the attitude of the instant answer or the instant fix, mm-hmm. the right now moment, uh, and to develop what is necessary for wisdom for dexterity, for capacity, mm-hmm. for insight. It takes time. Okay. It takes quite a bit of time. It takes quite a bit of time in servitude. It takes quite a bit of time in study. It takes quite a bit of time being what God has called you to be. God, God is never, I heard, I heard a chief apostle say this, God is never in a hurry. No, no. Well, God you, is never in a hurry. But if you're eternal, what are you rushing to? Right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> And so what, what is hurrying is darkness, though. Darkness is in a hurry. Because they're on a timeline. Because they have a timeline. There is an ending mm-hmm. to this moment, and I need to get everything done in this timeline. You said just moments ago that uh, God got his best out of the older generation. Yes, he did. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. God got his best, best. out of the older folk. Mm-hmm. Praise the Lord. Well, because they had something. You know, uh, every day you live, you pick up more wisdom, more experience, more absolutely. life. And so if you've only lived, first of all, if you've only lived on your own since 18, 18 to 23 doesn't give you too many days. No. No. You know nothing. You know nothing. We had to get you out of high school. Didn't we have to get him out of high school? Well, hopefully. Well. Well. And, so, and God, God's preparation process, and I love the way you talked about David, God's preparation process is to take you in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. It looks just the opposite of everything you anticipated, mm-hmm. of everything you hoped for, of everything you believed. It goes in the absolute opposite direction. And, it, and, and it, uh, unless there is the place of, uh, for us who mm-hmm. are going to step into this dynamic, unless there is the place of complete desperation, wow. we're not ready. Wow. No, no. We're not but, ready. But it's, but it's through, you know, we used to say coming up, those of us who are older, that in what? Necessity is the mother of invention. Well, you haven't invented enough solutions to your life's problems. 
to be able to handle the problems listen, of someone else's life. Listen, listen, look, and, and if necessity is its mother, then desperation certainly is its father. You better know it. Mm. It is at the end of our space, and I believe what God wants to do and what God does in those that he's preparing to be the leaders, mm-hmm. it is the fact that we remain faithful in that desperation, mm-hmm. that we remain faithful when everything else has left us. And there is no reason to stay faithful. And as you articulate, or as, as Apostle Ashley was talking about, we're being encouraged to do the opposite <laughs> with great mm-hmm. uh, great. Uh, um, logic and or lower level lower level logic yeah. and great learning and great uh, excuse where nobody around us could say, well, man, you were wrong for doing that. This mm-hmm. just makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's where this being wise as a serpent and harmless as doves comes to be. Thing I think for any of us who step into the arena of politics or government or uh, business is, I think the first place we are to be a student. Mm-hmm. So go in and sit down and be quiet. Exactly. Don't come in with the revelation. Don't come in with the word. Don't come in with the word. You need to learn the terrain. Mm-hmm. You need to learn the lay of the land. You need to learn the environment. And therefore, shh, come in being sagacious, mm-hmm. being wise, being sly. Mm-hmm. Learn, gather, listen, pay attention to the environment you're in. And if you listen well, they'll give you the keys. Mm-hmm. If you learn well, they'll give you all the strategies you need, but you go in being quiet first. So I, agree. Uh, I think, so what, what's keeping us from it? Uh, bad teaching has kept us from it. Oh, okay. Bad teaching has kept us from it. Our youthfulness has kept us from it. Give us what you're calling so, bad teaching. Bad teaching. Um, for example, we talked about the historic communication that the saints are to be out of it, mm-hmm. that it's the devil's realm or the devil's arena. But you just said, Isaiah chapter 9, the government shall be upon his shoulders. Jesus came preaching the kingdom of heaven. He came mm-hmm. talking about the government. Mm-hmm. We can't have a government without a governor. And the governor, the one who governs and rules, the one who controls everything, is the one who made it. Mm-hmm. How can we be the representatives of the one who made it and be afraid to govern what he gave us? Right? So, and so uh, uh, there's an ignorance. There's an absence of understanding. And then I think there's also an inability or an unwillingness to do the things we're talking about in terms of development, mm-hmm. that I need to develop as a person. I love the way you illustrated the reality of 20-somethings mm-hmm. running uh, environments, mm-hmm. running arenas. You haven't lived long enough to know anything. You haven't experienced mm-hmm. enough. You haven't developed enough to know anything. And you know, in this day and age, we're electing people in their 20s. We're electing people in their 30s and putting them over uh, counties and putting them over regions and putting them over states and then wondering why we've got so much fallout and so much foolishness. Yeah. Well, I think part of it, too, is that, that the, those, who in the, on, those who are in their 20s are on the heels or succeeding uh, replacements, actually. Well, I also think those it's part of the, the demolition campaign that has been really pummeling our country for decades. Absolutely. If you want, if you want error, then you're going to bring up the uneducated, the uninformed, the unenlightened, the ill-equipped, because right. you want mistakes. So we have to figure out why do they want us to have so many mistake-prone and mistake-driven right. leaders in place. Because no matter what you think, there, there's nothing to say that we've tried your word. You got out of school at 18. Yep. You got out of college maybe at 22, 23. Okay. And now at 26, 28, we're putting you over populations. Right. See, we keep saying office so you don't realize that that's population. Right. 
So we're putting you over populations that are mixed up. You know, we're not putting you in the kid thing. Now, I don't care if you're going to work, uh, we're going to attach you to a leader, we're going to attach you to a political figure, and you're going to be an attendant and whatever. The whole idea is that you're being mentored and you're able to observe close up. You're shadowing and you're observing close up. I'm okay with that. But to leave you on your own for a population, see, because we politics, we like to say politics, before we, but we forget right. poly is people and right. people is population. Right, right. Well, I think part of it, and, here's, and you can give me your feedback on this, I think the other part is that we've been under judgment. Mm-hmm. We have been. And since we've been under judgment, God has allowed this whole process to happen. How did you say that? Um, uneducated leaders are a curse. They are a curse. And so part and you know of our why? issue is that we've been under this curse. Mm-hmm. Because we, they bring you into calamity. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You look at the state of our nation. It's in calamity. And, calamity. Mm-hmm. and I think it's also the judgment that has been in the gathered assembly. Mm-hmm. Is that God is transitioning from that system. That God is transitioning from that whole uh, dynamic and approach. And mm-hmm. he is raising again the apostle and the prophet. And so part of what we are experiencing that has been a um, kind of a series of chaos, chaotic event mm-hmm. after chaotic event. And I'm not even talking natural disaster. I'm talking about people and policies and systems and structures and their ways of thinking mm-hmm. have helped to usher in chaos after chaos is a reflection of the curse of God that is in the nation because the apostle and the prophet has been out of place. And it has to start in the spirit realm. It cannot just start in the – see, we want it we, – everything that's in the – natural right now, the church started sliding off the grid. And by the time we got to the 70s and 80s, the church was sliding off the grid. By the time we got to the 90s, the pummeling of the church, the disparagement of the gospel, the, yeah. um, the disparagement of leaders, and the, the, potent, the potent seduction of leaders yeah. and, their, and perversion or dis- exploitation of their passions was in full sway by the time we got 2000. So now... You know, the whole thing is, well, you can't trust a preacher. No, right. we can't trust the preacher that bought your lie. Because there's a lot of good preachers out there that don't care two hoots or holler what you right. say. Right. You don't matter. Right. And they will stand there and right. tell you that. I belong to my God. I'm not selling my congregation out to sin. I'm not selling my people out to sin. Yeah. Because all leadership, hear me, people, all leadership is about populations. Come on. Gods and nations. Gods and nations. Don't we talk about it? Yes. Gods and nations. And that's in my book, Eternity's Generals, if you want to know. I said to somebody recently, I said, you know, the truth be told, um, you have got to recognize that that when we think about leadership or we think about apostleship or we think about church, we've called everything faith to downgrade it so that the, the idols, and the fallen angels can hide behind idolatry wow. and then hide that behind wow. a faith experience or expression. Wow. Wow. That's what we said. Isn't yeah. that what we said? Yeah. So that now, you know, you think about it and you think about where we're going and, and how we got here. You're talking about it was the pastors who are not telling the people that the problem is bad. You, the media may block us out, but we got a pastoral blackout. Wow. They're not telling their sheep, oh, hey, guys, let me tell you what's happening. Giving them quality voting instruction and quality background and backstory, they're not doing it. I said to someone recently, and I don't know how nice it was, but I said it anyway. <laughs> I said, I've read my Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and I've read my, my New Testament 
from Matthew to Revelation, and I've never seen that God gave a, a revelation, a first generation or first dispensation revelation to a pastor. Mm. Never happened. Mm. Pastors receive from the apostles and prophets mm. and the teachers on that constitutional mm. level. We don't, so, so the enemy knew that, though. See, he was smart. He taught people out of apostles and prophets right. because he could recraft that our revelation and our doctrine for the pastors to confine to their churches. I'm going to tell you, I said to them, when it, I said, there is no way, when you read your Bible, pastors were not even needed until God got the gospel to the Gentiles. Amen. Now, Jeremiah calls them pastors, but they were actually priests over temples or synagogues. But in terms of what we call the church, the, the ecclesia downgraded to the congregation, the career con. So when we, start, when we talk about the church, the pastors, there is no way, and I'm going to say this, there was no way that we could not end up here when pastors, the Amen. office itself is to take care of itself. Amen. Each pastor is to take care of its home, just like your neighborhood, your household, or whatever. You may have a picnic with the neighbor. You know, you go on a right. barbecue. We can do that. Right. But when it's all said and done, I'm taking my bowl home. Absolutely. You're going to take your stuff home. Absolutely. And so the, the basic internal, introspective, in, Introverted nature of the office of the guaranteed division right. and the teaching. Right. So to right. to go further into that idea of the teaching, when I made the, the statement about bad teaching, pastors um, taking that concept mm. further to take care of home, mm. we're going to um, and I was guilty of it, so I don't mm-hmm. say it. But oh, you was one of them pastors. I was one of them. <laughs> I was. I was one of them, and. Uh, much of the gospel was about the person. Mm-hmm. It was oh. about your family. Mm-hmm. It was about how to be a better this for this timeline. It was about what God's going to do in you and with you and through you and the hope over you and for you. It wasn't about what God wants. It wasn't about his sovereignty. When we taught kingdom, thought we were taught, teaching <laughs> kingdom, we taught it from privilege. We taught it from promise. We taught it from uh, uh, purpose, we taught it from a sense of protection, but didn't teach it from sovereignty, Mm-mm. didn't teach it from submission, didn't teach it from the king, talked about the kingdom without the king. And so much of the teaching that has led us mm-hmm. to this place has been a place that kept it from being centered in this heaven to earth mentality mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and had it from this earth to heaven mentality. And the earth to heaven mentality says, it's about me. Jesus died for me. He came for me. He's going to bless me. This a heaven to earth mentality says, I'm here for him. Mm-hmm. This is about him. It's about what he wants and about what he's doing. They'll sound like small words, but they're significant in their shift, mm-hmm. significant in their shift. And so that, was, uh, that still is uh, a significant problem of our teaching, mm-hmm. is that the poor, the, the proclamation of articulation from the pulpit is centering us and not centering God. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, the sound of the apostle to the untrained ear is strange. Oh, yeah. It sounds Absolutely. weird. It, it's a message that can't be retained because now you are going against the very essence of uh, our human makeup. Mm-hmm. You're making me get out of my way. You're making me give up me, and I'm not really interested in giving up me. I'm interested in seeing the fulfillment of me. I've been trusting that God is going to bring, i got a word, uh, on my life mm-hmm. that God is going to bring. Don't they start with, they start like this. They start right there. You know that's true. 
Right? They got a word on their life. I got a word on my life that God's going I to I got a me. prophecy. I'm waiting. I got a prophecy without realizing that the prophecy is not about you. Mm-mm. No, that the promise is not about you, that God's interest really isn't in you other than getting out of you what he placed you here for. That is true. And so uh, our teaching has been off, and therefore our product has been off, and we have left realms that we were to rule to devils and demons. Yes, we have. No, invited them in to get classes so that they can Christianize their Satanism. Yeah, oh, come on here. We want to Christianize Satan could not become a Christian without Christians Christianizing his, his doom, his death, his mortality, and his deception. God is a God of love. Yeah, you know, and we don't know whether that's, that, whether that's Jesus or Cupid. <laughs> Apollo, Ma'am. Diana, Dene- <laughs> who are we talking about here? Right, right. As if love isn't mm-hmm. judgment, as if love isn't standing, mm-hmm. as if love isn't expectation. I don't know a parent who loves their kid and doesn't give them boundaries. No. Well, yeah, but we, we got some out there that don't love Not their kids. Not if they love their kids. They, because they're still kids themselves. Well, well, then there's that. You know, because, you know, he said. That part. You know, because it said, you know, if, if people aren't, um, if they're not trained by the chastening. Yeah. It's because they're reprobate or they're bastards. Well, now, that, that was Bible. Bible. I didn't write it. That you know? is the Bible. I mean, I wish I could have been that smart. That is the Bible. I'm quoting. And, that, and that's the other thing. Apostles and prophets predate the church. I've said it over and over again. Predate the church. Yeah. Before there was a church, there were apostles. Yeah. Before there was a church, there were prophets. As a matter of fact, before there was an Israel, there was prophets. Yeah. Like, we just give you the prophets for eighth century prophets. What, what? We go all the way back to Abel. God has always ruled through these two offices. They've always been his spontaneity. They've been his go-to, yeah. his first his first point of contact. We forget that. That's number one. When you think about churches, churches are not wrong. So I need you to write this down because, you know, y'all get, I know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Man, y'all have made it, brought out the three pieces of tongues. You know y'all, come on, somebody. Yeah, bro, stop. Okay? Okay? Three pieces of tongues, just to let you know. Churches, when I teach fivefold, and I'm, I'm going to ask my staff to find one of my fivefold classes, I teach what we are looking at when we talk fivefold. I've already been teaching over the last several weeks that the threefold precedes the fivefold. Yeah. The threefold is for the kingdom and the king's entire institution embodied or embassied on earth. Mm-hmm. The fivefold is for the people mm-hmm. to take and dispense all of that to the people, equipping them for ministry, blah, blah, blah. So I'm saying that to you because the church, the pastor is a domestic minister. Right. The domicile of those converted is what the pastor's job is to be about. Right. The teacher is a d- discipling one. That's where you get your discipleship from. Think about it. The, the evangelist is literally the mother, the matrix or of the, the kingdom. The evangelist's job is just go and bring these kids in, go have some babies, midwife, if you will, bringing them in. That's what that's about. The prophet is a divine communicant. That's right. And the apostle is the etern- eternal, leg- um, what do you call it, legislator. Mm-hmm. So we got legislation first because the government is on its shoulders. So we right. have to start with that because we are not a people because we are born on earth. We're a people because we are the population that was in Christ before the world began. Come on. Come on. So he already had a government for us. Yeah. Because yeah. his world had a government. You know, we act as if earth is God's first work. 
but he already had a government. So he had the government. He sends the legislation down, which is why they talk about Moses as a type of uh, apostle. Yeah. Because he received the law from the government of God, the eternal government that has beat out all false governments, that has endured through all kinds of tests and trials and tribulation, that is already governing, regulating an invisible nation of nations. So we've got that. Then we've got the prophet, which is the first thing we see, because somebody got to seek it. You know, right. legislation has to be declared a decree. Right. Then we have the, under the threefold, we have the teacher who's to go and disseminate that to the nations, go disciple nations. Teachers are disciples. So that's threefold. But now we pop over here. Well, well we've discipled these nations. Mm-hmm. And guess what? The numbers have grown. We've got to organize them. Mm-hmm. We've got to assign them. They're all over the world. So now we have to place them yeah. in, in God's domicile in homes. And then lastly, again, we have the teacher that is sent. This is the classroom teacher. This is the, the trainer, not the legislating teacher of 1 Corinthians 3. So pastors aren't doing wrong. They just were forced into a seat that was never given to them. Mm. Right. Right. I mean, because trying you can't to bring revelation exactly, from heaven. And, right. and you're, mm-hmm. exactly, and but you're trying to bring revelation, but you're also trying to take your your spiritual makeup and plug it into a constitutional format and construct, an institutional format and construct. Well, that would be that also would explain why then uh, the pastor, the domicile pastor. Again, I was one, mm-hmm. and and I will say this: always had a vision for the city, always had a vision for uh, business and government and entertainment, et cetera. But my perspective was that God was going to bring them to me. Oh, yeah, they're coming into the church. They're coming into the church. Yeah. God's going to bring them to me here, right? Mm -hmm. It it was this come see, not a go ye. I know that's right. And, And I didn't understand that what God was doing is the reality is this. You cannot liberate what you don't dominate. Exactly. The goal of God is for us to liberate, but you cannot liberate what you don't dominate, and you cannot dominate what you haven't investigated. Mm-hmm. You've got to investigate before you dominate in order to liberate. So then I've got to become a student of the realm I'm placed in, and that takes time. Mm-hmm. It takes time to develop. But with the domicile perspective, I'm not even thinking that way. No, you're protecting your that. house. I'm going to take care of that which I believe the Lord mm-hmm. has given me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The law. My shoes. Remember the How vision. No, the vision of the house. You're gonna take. You got house. the vision of the house. You need the you spirit got the of the set house. man and the set woman the of, the of the house. house. You need the word of. You know. You Come need the mission here. of the house. Hey. And so, because everything Preach, is about brother. the house, why Preach, are you on a global platform right. to bring us all to your house? Right. Yeah, to bring us to the house. You know. Well, yeah. we have one minute before we get to bring in our next guest. We have a wonderful guest. Stay here. Okay. You don't get to leave. We I, we have been working with the uh, with some members of the Tulsa law enforcement uh, group, and they have been doing this whole. They have a wonderful program for crisis intervention and all of those kinds of things. So we've been working with them because you all know we're founding our success center, and God is sending us some amazing resources, human and otherwise. And so I'm going to bring on our show right now, Dr. Robbie Adler Tapia. Her she is National Register Health Psychologist. E M D R I A. Am I supposed to say it like that? 
Okay. Approved consultant, 33 years provider. She does counseling, consultation, and psychological services for children and families. I'm excited about this because we need it. And she was referred by Child Welfare, military veterans, and public safety officials. She is an amazing woman. From what I hear, we're going to have a blast. And one of the reasons that I wanted to have her on is because right now her profession is probably needed more direly than we've known it to be needed. We need brains like her, experiences like hers, and also we need communications like hers so that we can ride out the storms. Families are devastated now. Homes are devastated. People have lost their businesses. They've lost their, their, their homes. They've lost their everything, their jobs, their careers. And so all of that is interesting. I just, just as I'm bringing him on, what touched me most of all is I read an article about two weeks ago about all of the children who are committing suicide because they couldn't go right. back to school. Right. So I'm thinking somebody like her probably has a lot to say about that and to speak into. Dr. Robbie, are you, a, a, are you on yet? Good morning. So grateful that you are joining us today. It means a lot to me that you've done it. So we're going to put you on, but tell us a little bit about yourself. And not only that, what do you think about all of these youngsters taking their lives? Thirty-seven years, and I've spent a lot of that time working with children in child welfare, uh, working on adolescent at risk uh, grants for children who are at risk and suicidal. So I have a, a long history in that. As is my husband, my my husband of thirty-two years, Dr. Hubert Duffy, is actually a school psychologist. So we get to work together trying to help uh, young people and um, keep them safe and connected during this pandemic. So many things, as you know, fear, anxiety, and feeling disconnected. I mean, so many people, we need to be connected to our people. We need to be connected to our, our communities and the people we love and the people that hold us up in times of difficulty. So these kids being sometimes home alone because mm-hmm. their parents have to work, um, it's been really touching for people who may already be struggling. So, um, you know, that's what we're seeing. That's why we're trying to reach people through telehealth. And what you're doing is fantastic to, to help people stay connected and feel connected to other people. Well, I certainly hope before we leave that you give us your converse, uh, your contact information so that we can put it on the screen and so that people will know where to go or anybody that you want to, you know, she's just such a gorgeous-looking woman, isn't she? I mean, anybody who wants to have their children um, you know, served by what you give is important. So tell us, how can, now, you know, treat us like lay people. We're just lay folks. You know, we're ministers. We want to lay hands on people and cast out devils. You know, we want to do all of those wonderful things and just speak the word. But you tell us from your perspective how your profession is handling this and what are you doing with the, obviously, you must have an overwhelming caseload. Yes, I do. Absolutely. You know, for me, it's, my profession, we took a hit last year, uh, of course, couldn't see patients in our office. I actually got COVID, as did my husband, because he had to go to school and to do uh, IEPs, which are educational plans for kids with special needs, and those children are much more at risk. We're mm-hmm. also a border state in Arizona, where I'm from, and so we have kids in cages, so 
So we're trying to train there with oh, in cages in our border cities, uh, which is another horrible issue that I want to get out there with people to really make sure that we don't lose track of all these children who are mm. cages and, and separated from their families, which is heartbreaking. So, um, so for me, it, 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 I, I haven't been able to, you know, see people, and that connection again with your therapist makes a big difference. But I've tried because um, I do training in telehealth, like on, um, you know, online, like we're doing now, is to help people stay connected to online communities, to um, be able to get outside, exercise. And my biggest thing for me is, uh, um, you know, if we took a hit financially, I have an office I've paid for for a year that I haven't been able to use, so it's basically an expensive storage unit. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Wow, that's hard. No, it was very interesting. <laughs> no, where, did you have a question? Yeah. Uh, Hi, I'm Apostle. I'm, uh, I'm Apostle. I'm Apostle Holt. Hi. I, I, um, I, I was like, you're the news that says that Jesus is Apollo. You thought this was Jesus, they come back. Apollo would not be in a program. There's family resemblance. Yeah. Hi, nice to meet you. Real quick question, um, and maybe you can help with a uh, prescriptive strategy for people to handle all of the media bombardment. We are being bombarded with news, and so uh, and the news isn't necessarily great. And right now, when you're isolated and you're watching and you're, you're either online or you've got your TV on, CNN, I could name them off, but what would you say to help us stay healthy around that? And yet informed. And yet informed, yeah. So part of what I do and what I encourage my clients to do and people I work with is turn it off. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So we all can make those choices 
they're dealing with and they're trying to overcome. Yeah. So I'm looking at can we find common ground? Can we inspire each other? And can we help each other? Can mm -hmm. we reach out and find a common ground and say, you know, if, if you love the Lord, you love your family, you love your community, we have a lot in common. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, unfortunately I'm here as a psychologist, I'm not trained as a pastoral counselor. I'm here, I can share my personal experience with that. Um, but, but looking at, you know, what do you have in common with someone? Can you call somebody that you think could use a phone call? Mm -hmm. Uh, right. Check in with people that you love because mm -hmm. your phone call could make all the difference. Mm -hmm. So with anybody who's suicidal, those teenagers or yeah. suicidal contemplating it, I'm going to suggest in my book, I have a whole list of hotlines for people to reach out and talk to somebody because we know if somebody's contemplating suicide. By just connecting with another person mm -hmm. and talking it through, we may be able to help change that trajectory into something else they can do. Mm -hmm. So, talking to another person is huge. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be professionally trained to be a psychologist. I see so many talented people who just have a passion for caring for other people. Mm -hmm. And they make a huge difference in people's lives. Wow. I, we were just in a, a thank you for that because, and we will we'll have the book. Uh, so, before I ask you a question, do you, do you have online trainings and things like that if people wanted to go to your site and get trained? Do you have any training that would say, okay, your leaders can go here, your pastors, your ministers in training, or just like you said, caring souls? Do you have anything like that that's online that we can, we can use? Have to think about that, or maybe we'll work together someday. I, oh, oh, I've already you, you've been adopted already. You don't have okay. We already brought you in. You're, I mean, you're in. We're right now. To, we're right now. Your adoption thing right now. See, there it is. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I'm in. Okay. Yeah, 
That's awesome. That is exciting. Yeah. One quick question. Uh, I've got grandchildren, seven of them. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> True. Yeah. True. And, and I've got a great concern for my grandkids. Uh, and I don't want to overstep my children and respect the boundary of their parenting. What can I say to the parents of my grandchildren that um, they can use to help their children kind of navigate? Now, one is 15 months, so he doesn't necessarily count, but 5, 6, 7, 10, 14, and 17 are their ages. Like, that's the most important thing. I just learned 
last year to be a mother-in-law. Being a mother-in-law is a brand new thing. Mother-in-law. So any of you out there been a mother-in-law or father-in-law, that's the whole thing. And so uh, we laughed when our kids got married, and many of my friends who had married kids that I said, "What do you? How do you learn to be a mother-in-law?" And they said, "You listen and you write checks." <laughs> <laughs> I'm a good listener, you know, and I can write a little bit, but not a lot, right? But, so um, trying to really see it. We all, without age, right, we all wanted to figure it out and try things. I remember when I had my kids, I was like, they're my kids. I need to raise them. And so I learned as I got older how much expertise my parents have and how much expertise I got from my mother-in-law who raised 12 children. And, and loved every one of her 54 grandchildren like they were the first one. So I look at people like that that inspire me, right? Yeah. Thank you. That is Thank amazing. you very much. That's great. You know, uh, we have just uh, like to ask you because you've talked about brain trauma, you've talked about hope and hopelessness. I understand that there's some sort of new study, perhaps movement underway, where they have been able to, if you t- accept my word, you know, chemicalize hope, find that there is a chemical attached to hope or hopelessness. Can you speak to that before we close out? I'm not sure if this is what you're talking about, but there is a whole field of study that's on affect neuroscience, so A-F-F-E-C-T neuroscience, right? And there was a researcher, Yacht Panthes, Dr. Yacht and I'm he, um, he looked at, um, I think I spelled his last name right, he looked at the neuroscience behind emotion. And so they call it affective neuroscience. And, and we do know, I mean, we all know hormones affect our emotions. Um, and, and in our brain, we have tissue, we have kind of neuroelectricity, and we have neurochemistry. Mm-hmm. And so if any of those get out of balance, um, you know, we start to see symptoms, and the symptoms are something going in our brain. Um, so what I say to people is, you know, something that's whack in your brain that you're having these symptoms, it could be any of these, and when you are in the stre- high stress or traumatic events, it drains your brain. Mm-hmm. So you have to feed your brain more, more, just like if you're running a marathon. If you're running a marathon, you need to be eat more carbs than if you're sitting around your house, right? Mm-hmm. We need to feed the brain more healthy stuff. Um, and that's what I've been talking about the whole time. Brain health training is focusing on this whole affective neuroscience. What's going on in our brain and how do we keep it healthy? Okay. Um, um, there's a, a neuropsychiatrist out of California, Dr. Daniel Amen, and if anybody wants to check out Dr. Amen's website, he's really looked at keeping a healthy brain from diet, exercise, vitamins that may help your brain, um, and, and also uh, just what happens in the brain. He's got 83,000 sex scans of the brain. Mm-hmm. It's not just looking at what's my brain, what's the tissue look like, and what's the function of the brain. Is my brain functioning well? So I kind of did that in like, you know, as quick as I could, and I know I talk fast. I'm from the Northeast, so I tend to talk really fast sometimes. But, um, it's definitely something that's out there, and I'm glad you asked. Appreciate that. Well, I, you know, we're, we're, we're people have to recognize this is crazy. It's what's happening in the making of the world, and we're we're going to get the technology. We can look at the brain. Mm-hmm. Well,
um, did I lose it? Okay, well, we're not going to hold you anymore. You and I will talk. We're going to have a, a couple of conversations so I can share with you what, what I'm doing and also benefit from your wisdom and I think also get your wisdom to the body of Christ because I asked about the brain because minded. We don't feel that there's anything organic or, or neurological that is involved in our brain. So the next time we get together, I would love for us to talk about that. Can I thank you so much for thank taking you. time to be with us? Thank Let's you. give her a thank, thank you. you. It's wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you. 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 All right, well, um, Jesus and Paula's show fans, viewers, friends, family, and everything, we got it all going on, and I want to thank you for tuning in. Now, we're, we're coming to the end of it, so make sure you share, 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 and hey, why don't you share? That should be good. They should probably share. They should probably share. And then you're going to sow a seed, right? Because Amen. we have really poured a lot into you today, and you have been faithful in sowing seed. So um, Rachel has it on the screen. You can sow seed to it, and it would be a wonderful, wonderful thing. Until then, we're going to see you at the Congregation of the Mighty on Resurrection Sunday. They say Easter. We say Resurrection on. on Resurrection Sunday. So don't forget to join us at the Congregation of the Mighty for service. If you're in Tulsa or in the area, drive on in. We're in a brand-new building, but this Amen. is one special one for us. We're in a brand-new building, so drive in. And uh, if not, tune in on social media. But nevertheless, just remember, Congregation of the Mighty, where God stands. Join us. We love you dearly. God bless. There we go. I was like, because you know, you know not to say anything when the hot mic's been tearing off. You just, just be quiet. You be like, just be okay. And it's like, whoo. I said, man, but um, did you enjoy? I did. I'm glad. I'm glad. Did you all enjoy? Yes. So, you know, when you come.